0: This is Ideas at the House, a podcast featuring some of the best live talks straight from the stages of the Sydney Opera House. I'm your host, Edwina Throsby. In September of 2017, the Saudi Arabian government announced it was lifting its long-standing ban on women driving cars. The decision was an historic milestone for Saudi women's rights and reflected a growing women's movement in the region. The Right to Drive campaign was begun by the Saudi engineer, writer and activist Manal al-Sharif and today's podcast is an extract of her presentation at All About Women in 2018. I know there are men in the house, but allow me to speak woman to woman today. In the aftermath of the Women to Drive campaign in 2011, I was targeted by the government, the local media, and radicals, I couldn't believe the hate being directed at one woman and her family for taking a stand and breaking a taboo. I was systematically targeted at work, in the media, in the mosque, and the streets. I couldn't give interviews or speak. I was pressured to shut up. Despite this, I kept using my social media, this is why it's so important to have your social media up and running, unblocked to publicize the institutionalized oppression of women in my country. One time, my son was beating in school for being the son of Manan al-Sharif. That's when I decided to write my memoir. It was for him. People People would go to my parents in the house, yes, knock on them, and ask them to discipline their wayward daughter. At the lowest point, my father had to sit in a Friday sermon listening to the Imam calling women who dared to drive horse. and I'm the leader. I was seeking to corrupt, he said, Muslim women and disrupt social order by calling for women to sit at the wheel. Mama, my mother, would call me regularly, in tears, asking me to stop because, of my, parent, because my parents were going through so much because of my actions, and they were so afraid that I would be put in jail again. With a broken heart, every time I tell my mom, I will stop at the day, the first Saudi driver license is issued to a woman. In 2012, I was awarded the Václav Havel Award for Creative Dissent. It's a big word, really. (laughs) I had to look in the dictionary, like, what's dissent? (laughs) And I was invited to give the acceptance speech in Oslo. This was my first encounter with the outside world. I was working as an engineer in Aramco. It's a state uh, oil-owned company, and it's the largest producer of oil in the world. I was an engineer working there, and one of the executives told me they wouldn't allow me to leave the country to give the acceptance speech, and he said, we don't want to associate our name with you. I'm Taurus. Tell me you can't do something, I go do it. (laughs) Don't try me. I left his office, and I resigned, and I went to Oslo to give the acceptance speech. Ten minutes before I went on the stage to give the acceptance speech, I received a message from my company. Uh, As someone who works there, you can apply for interest-free loan to buy your own house. So I resigned, and I had the loan approved. I finished the paperwork and everything, and they said it was declined. My job wasn't the only upshot of speaking in Oslo. When I went back, I received thousands of tweets calling me Oslo traitor. Why? Because in that speech, I talked about the radical Islam and the degrading context about women in our textbooks, books, and in. Um, the religious textbooks, and in the curriculums we study in school. So I exposed that, and I talked about it. There was a fatwa, actually, the same time, the same week after I came back from Oslo. The fatwa, or a religious ruling, was issued, stating that I was no longer Muslim. And you know what that means. In a country like Saudi Arabia, that means it's the same... Fatwa is exactly has the same power as law here in other countries. And that means that I was in physical danger, I could be even assassinated. As well as being homeless, jobless, and financially vulnerable, all this for speaking up in Oslo about the role of radical Islam, which I believe has dragged us backward in Saudi Arabia. I had to leave the country. After that, it was a lot of unfortunate, I would say, sequence of events when I was in Saudi Arabia. And then I had to decide that it's too much to take after one year. So I had to leave to neighboring Dubai in 2012. I had a son from my second marriage, but my second marriage was never approved by the government. So I had first son from my first marriage who lives in Saudi. I cannot take him outside. I have a second son who is... Um, not granted visa to enter Saudi Arabia. So I have two sons who never met until this day. All because of my activism. We were stuck really in Dubai and we were looking, me and my ex husband, for a place to leave. So we applied to Australia and as skilled, they call them skilled workers, and within a month we get the visa, the permanent residency, and we moved here last March. Everyone, when I was packing my stuff, were asking me, Why Australia? I didn't have an answer until this year. As a society woman, I grew up with a big list of things that I cannot do. Actually, it's easier to list the things that I could do than the things I couldn't do. I grew up finding ways to do them. I want to tell you about the most courageous, the most rebellious, and the most difficult challenge I had in my life. The most courageous thing I've ever done wasn't uncovering my face or spending 10 years working in an all-male environment. The most courageous act of my life was breaking the chains within. The chains. I don't know if I pronounce it right. <laughs> and finding the strength to fight my own battles. My most rebellious moment, it wasn't needing the woman to drive movement. And it wasn't, um, it was really, Simply, being me, Menal. In this world, being yourself is the bravest thing a woman can do. Do you agree? We are always reminded how we should look like, what we should dress, who are our role models, what we should eat, right? Everyone comes first but you. How to love everyone but love yourself the least, the last. In this world, that was the most rebellious thing I did. The most difficult challenge wasn't to be a survivor of child FGM overseen by my own parents, or to leave a physically, verbally, or mentally abusive marriage, or to face the hatred of an entire country directed to one woman for leading the women to drive campaign. Do you know what was the most challenge and the bravest thing I did in my life? was forgiving. Forgiving my parents, forgiving my ex-husband, and forgiving the whole society. And I think that is the most difficult thing you will face in your life. I have been proudly, do you want to listen to the names? I'm going to list my titles. I've been proudly called disrespectful for defying laws that disrespected me. I've been proudly called a corrupter for encouraging my fellow Saudi women to speak up for themselves. I've been proudly called a traitor of the nation and the faith for challenging the degrading narrative of women in our textbooks and teachings. For the last six years, I've had two faces. In my own country, I've been the villain, the Joker in the Batman, the corrupt woman who challenged religion and was deserving of hate. To the outside world, I was a hero. Neither of these images affected me because I knew my true purpose, my identity, and what I believed in. For me, the saints are the true patriots, those who care enough about their country and sacrifice everything to try to change it for the better. It's not about waiting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's about carrying your own torch and walk in that tunnel. Here in Australia, for the first time in my 38 years, I'm completely free to be myself, with no societal or religious constraints, no family obligations or expectations. There's no box that I'm required to fit into. No one called me disrespectful or wanting to follow my, for wanting to follow my dreams and aspirations. It's my hope that one day I can feel the same in my own home country. For me, home is a place where you can be yourself with no one's permission. I'm certain that moving to Sydney was the right decision. It was 5 a.m. in New South Wales, the morning of September 27. Although it was still the evening of September 26 in Saudi Arabia, I woke up to give my son Daniel his medicine. He had ear surgery the night before. I don't read my messages when I wake up. But I have a BBC uh, notification shows, and it showed this. Saudi Arabia to lift driving ban on women. I thought my sleepy eyes were cheating me, so I had to look twice, three times, and I really broke in tears that moment. Within a minute, my phone went crazy. My email was swabbed with interview requests. I was doing interviews from 5 a.m. to 1 a.m. that day, and I was flying the next day for my Europe book tour. Almost everyone I knew was contacting me, congratulating me. In spite of all this, the only person I wanted to talk to at that moment was Mama. I always knew, deep inside me, that the day of women driving would come. What I didn't know was that she would not be there to celebrate it with me. She had passed away with a great deal of pain in her heart because her daughter had driven a car and been publicly shamed throughout Saudi Arabia. Now, that taboo would be lifted, and in that moment, I miss her more than ever. Seven years from the, seven, from the first attempt to lift the driving bag to that historic day. We must all pay respect to the women and men who have waged this struggle. Women campaigning to end this ban have lost their freedom. Their jobs, have jeopardized their safety and have had their cars confiscated and held, have been harassed and jailed, and their families have been targeted. They've been called every degrading name under the sun and been viciously attacked. They've lost their lives as they knew them for daring to drive on the streets of Saudi Arabia. But no more. Things changed in 2011. It took 21 years from the first protest, 21 years since anyone did anything about it. The first protest was 1990. And the second this was Women to Drive in 2011. Thanks to social media, it really helped. And putting me in jail, too, actually. The struggle continued with further campaigns. 2013, there was a campaign I also participated in. It was led by a Saudi woman blogger, Dr. Iman Nafjan. In 2014, two activists drove trying to cross the country borders from UAE, Lujain al-Hadloul and Mays amoudi paid respects to these three women. They were both sent to jail for 72 days for dating to just try to cross the borders. Women's rights activists must continue to monitor how the law implemented and campaigned to abolish the male guardianship law in Saudi Arabia, which forbids women to travel, marry, or even leave prison without the permission of a designated male guardian, a true new form of slavery targeting women. We must ask for nothing, short of full equality for women. Driving is only the first step to ending other unjust laws that treat Saudi women as minors and as not trustworthy to determine their own destiny. It's been interesting for me to listen to all the reporters, you know, all the reporters went out like, why the lifting the ban came out today? And they were thinking it's because we were on the brink of bankruptcy in Saudi Arabia because of the low oil prices. Some people said it's just to divert the international media attention from what's happening in Yemen. Actually, we cannot ignore both, but I would say I do believe that change is coming, and I do believe the key to change in Saudi Arabia is the, drive, the car keys, <laughs> driven by women. And part of a power, um, I'll say, I would mean, say, people think it's a, it's a power game, because the new crown prince wants to prove um, that he's capable of taking such brave decisions in Saudi Arabia. I just cannot ignore the fact that the Saudi king who lifted the driving ban is the same man who was the governor of Riyadh when the 47 women drivers protested the ban in 1990. He took harsh actions against these women and turned a blind eye on the religious establishment, destroyed their lives and reputation, and then majority of society condemned them for challenging the ban. But this time, I do believe Saudi is changing. The current leader of the power, the Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Salman, they call him MBS, um, he started vision called 2030, and I was very skeptical about it. But uh, gladly, one of the women to drive team, she works in his team. So she's a friend and someone I trust. I sat with her for hours, and I was really challenging her. And for my surprise, Things are as being told to us. When he, um, so I was really, I became a supporter and a believer myself, finally. When he was named the crown prince, I remember I was in my book tour in the US and it was 11 p.m. and I went to my Twitter and tweeted, I can finally have hope that Saudi Arabia is changing. MBS has weaned in the religious police. By the way, I was arrested by the traffic police. They wanted to let me go, but the religious police are the one who made things fl- blow out of proportion. Uh, they really literally choked us, literally. Like, you could not walk in the street and have a very a, 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 just a normal day. You can't do that in Saudi Arabia because the religious police will always be watching. Also, he left a lot of restrictions on music, on art, on cinemas. It's amazing, I'm speaking in the Opera House. You know, every girl, she grows up, she wants to sing or perform in the opera house. Only activists wants to speak in the opera house. <laughs> and he lifted the ban. Hopefully, we see opera houses in Saudi Arabia. It's also the first time we are known to have kings and, and people in the government who are 80 years and over. He's the first who's younger than me. He's 32. But these changes may not be permanent. The Saudi Arabian political system is very complicated. You would think, because we are an absolute monarchy, we have a king, so the king has the absolute power. Not true. So we have different groups. Each group has their own, um, let's say, interest, and they, are not, they don't overlap. Everyone has their own interest, and they are really disconnected from each other. So one man cannot really take decision and execute it, which is the king. But I do believe that allowing women to drive would be a permanent change. Few things have brought more shame to Saudi Arabia than this draconian ban. And there is more: Saudi Arabia cannot succeed economically if women who are highly educated are kept in the backseat. We have more women in colleges than men. We have more women who are in higher education, who graduate from higher education, than Western Europe in Saudi Arabia. So the government really invests so much in our education. I get paid to go to college to university, by the way. Um, But I don't have a job when I leave. So my hope is that the economic reforms will be combined with political reforms, leading to constitutional monarchy, where people have representatives and one day full freedom of expression. Once I was asked, what can Western women do to help women like me? My answer was simple. (laughs) If the question is posed out of a a feeling of thankfulness for being a Western woman, or, oh my God, those poor, oppressed women, us, then my answer is, thank you, nothing. You've got way to go yourself. <laughs> but if the question comes out of a genuine interest in our struggle as your sisters in this world, of the world, then yes, you can help by never taking your rights for granted. Practice them. Use your voice for the voiceless, the helpless, the most vulnerable women in your society. There are hundreds of them around you. You don't need to look for women overseas to help them. And you inspire when you do that. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who said that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. In the same vein, I want to encourage you to remember that to fight for women's rights anywhere is to contribute to the fight for women's rights everywhere. Thank you. That was Manal Al Sharif at All About Women 2018. And we'll be back next week with more live recordings from the festival. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Catch you then.